0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.
1: The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you?
3: Good, Wally. How are you?
2: Good. You ready for the... I noticed you're wearing your Alabama cap this ready morning. tomorrow night. You ready for the big one tomorrow night, Naz? Clemson and Alabama. What's the line on that game? Six. Six Alabama, yep you know they're calling this uh you know the, every uh, every few years the the hypesters down uh, down south get uh, get hyped up and they 're calling it the game of the century uh there's been notable games of the century over over time uh but this certainly uh Certainly, uh, could be, could be, uh, could be one hell of a game. Alabama—they're calling the greatest college team ever—and uh, if they do win tomorrow night's game in convincing fashion, you can certainly make that argument without a doubt. Uh, but they're up against a Clemson team that's got a, a quarterback, six foot six. Uh, I think his name's Trevor Lawrence, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. And this uh, kid's looked pretty good. Uh, and this Clemson team looked pretty good, giving the uh, my beloved Irish a spanking uh, last week. And uh, if if Clemson plays their A plus game, uh, they could make Alabama work up a sweat.
3: If it matches, last year's game was fantastic with the last play of the with game with Georgia. Yeah, with yeah, Georgia. Yeah. If it matches that. It'll be an exciting night tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, and this sure. has been the uh, this has been I think the fourth. Yeah. Uh, well, the Alabama and Clemson have gone toe to toe here uh, four times during the uh, during the CFP era, if I'm not mistaken. I think Alabama's won two of those. Did Clemson win one of them?
3: Clemson won one
2: when yeah. the, when Deshaun Watson was the uh, was the quarterback. Yeah, they won one. Yeah, so that's uh, the only uh, I guess big game Alabama's lost in a while, and uh, Alabama has a way of pulling these games out. Uh, <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> last year was it? Did they go to overtime last year, Ness? They did. They did
3: and uh it was a forty yard fling i guess
2: by uh by the quarterback Tua. who i still can't pronounce his Tua. name tuo let's call him tuo who's uh certainly uh, worth the price of admission and uh but clemson has got a pretty good pretty good arm back there so uh should be uh should be an exciting game uh there's uh you know brings back memories of some incredible uh College football games over the years. I don't know if you what your favorite is, Naz, as aside from the ones that uh, Notre Dame or Alabama have been involved in. But uh, I remember a great game and uh, showing my age here the the uh, the 1971 game of the century, which was Alabama, uh, no, sorry, not Alabama, Oklahoma and Nebraska. That was Johnny Rogers against Greg Pruitt. I'm sure you the remember ordinary that. Ordinary
3: superstar. Uh, yeah. The
2: ordinary superstar against Greg Pruitt, Oklahoma. They were undefeated, untied. It was a Thanksgiving Day game, and it was Nebraska 35 and Oklahoma 31, and it was one, one phenomenal football game.
3: The one I remember the most is Boston College with Doug Flutie.
2: With oh, the Flutie game, yeah. was that against Miami? Yes. It was against Miami. The the Hell Mary right Hail Mary, at the end yeah. right at the end of the game. <clears throat> so many, so many great uh, college football games. So certainly tomorrow night um uh, should be a great one. Um, really, should be a great one. And Look forward to and, it.
3: And the NFL is going with their playoffs. We it's got
2: been... playoffs yesterday. Uh, Boy, you know,
3: Indy looks strong.
2: They're saying Indy is the is the Indy, dark horse. They've, looks... they've they've caught. They've, uh, nobody's been paying attention to them, and uh, they have certainly looked pretty good. And as you want to recap they, that they, one they, for they us, they
3: could meet. They could meet New England first. New England may be playing them in their playoff game next week. Depending
2: on what happens today.
3: Yeah. They could be playing luck against uh, Brady.
2: Uh, what a matchup be, that would be! That would be a, a fascinating game. Um, who's I guess we got the Ravens and the Chargers today. Yeah, uh,
3: well, you picked the Ravens last week. They, <laughs> they still almost didn't, they didn't, didn't make, make the it. playoffs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they almost didn't make it. Uh, Cleveland uh, almost beat them. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? The dark horse is sometimes when you get that little roll of the dice yeah, that gives know. you the little boost to keep going. Yeah. That's my pick. Almost, almost ended before it started. Uh, certainly, a lot of Steelers fans weren't happy about the ending in Boy,
3: that. What a mess that is, uh, eh? uh, the Steelers. Are yeah. A mess. They,
2: uh, you know they're calling for uh, you know the you know Le'Veon Bell this year uh, all that whole fiasco and uh, Mike Tomlin always absorbs a certain level of criticism, deserved or undeserved, and. Uh uh, rumors of it that Antonio Brown is uh, heading out of town, and uh, yeah, things are things are not good in uh, Steeler land now, but uh, never count the Steelers short. The Steelers, no, that's true. Steeler Nation has a, has a way of recovering. Uh, anyways, coming up on the show today after the first break, Carlo Koliakovo. Uh, Carlo, of course, co-hosts the First Up on TSN Radio, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former member of Canada's national junior team from uh, from the early 2000s. Uh, Want to get an Opportunity to talk to him about that experience and what's going on with the Leafs, and uh, you know it's uh, it's early January. It's uh, not as cold as we normally see it around here, Naz. But uh, you know I got the I got a I got a gaggle of uh, about a hundred geese outside my office building. Don't want to fly south for the winter, so something's something's going on with the weather. But uh, although the geese may not be flying south for the winter, the golfers probably will be. So uh, so we're going to talk to Matt. Gen- of the Golf Channel about uh, 930, 9.35. Matt of course is the golf uh, the golf travel guy for the golf travel uh, for Golf Channel and uh, golf advisor and uh, we'll be talking some golf with him buddies trips down to Florida Arizona wherever else you want to go golf he's uh, he's the guy to talk to about that and we're thrilled to have him back on the show World Juniors Nas uh, you know uh, quite frankly um, you know it's first time on Canadian soil. That uh, Canada didn't meddle, Um, and it was uh, the most... uh, um i don't even know how to say this the, the the collection of bad breaks that had to go canada's way go against canada sorry and in finland's way in that canada finland game is it was almost beyond belief
3: the, t- the tangle was bizarre
2: but like you know 46 mm-hmm. seconds left and it was like just just absolutely bizarre uh but that's sports that's what happens you know give all give credit to the finns you can 't say they didn 't deserve to win that game they uh, for for long stretches in that game, I would say that they probably had the better of canada 's team so uh, we 're not going to take away from the accomplishments of the finns who beat the u s last night
3: on, uh, on an
2: almost ups- uh, it 's a big upset on an almost last minute goal once again for the finns uh, the u s probably had the better scoring chances in that game and uh you know, the U.S. has a lot of uh, you know the way they develop their players through their through their uh, national development team. Uh, they do it in a different way than Canada does, and uh, the U.S. U.S. got some guys out there who can play. And and of course, we're talking about uh, the the number one draft choice coming up this year. Or, uh, they're touting him as the number one. Jack Hughes, little number six out there. The the kid can play, and his brother number seven can play as well.
3: I saw him interviewed. He looks like he's ten years old.
2: <laughs> he looks oh like Neilander when the Leafs drafted Neilander. Oh they, they're getting younger and younger, Naz. They're getting younger and younger. They're actually not getting younger and younger. They just, I guess, they're starting to look younger and younger to us. But uh, yeah, they uh, they look like they look like when, when you when you watch them play on the ice, they, you know, they look like NHLers. But when they see them interviewed, they look like 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 peewees. So incredible. Uh, highly skilled. The skill level of these uh 17, 18, 90, 19 year olds is off the charts nowadays and uh but uh canada didn't you know we uh you know unfortunately we have this universe today called twitter and called social media and uh, um some uh some will um, you choose my words carefully uh some people choose to use those mediums to get uh to spout profanity and spout stupidity and uh, pick on uh, 18, 19-year-olds and pick on Max Comtois, who's the Canadian who missed the penalty shot. Come on, guys, give it a rest. There's a lot of good hockey players in the rest of the world. This this Canadian team didn't medal, but they didn't embarrass us. They were competitive. They should have won a game against Finland, who ended up being the champions. It's a, it's a one-and-done tournament. You lose a game when you get to the, when you get to the playdowns, and that's sports. you know what? You, you lost a game that you that, because of a couple of bad bounces, a stick that breaks um, and you want to go pick on these 18, 19 year- olds. Are you kidding me? Come on guys? Uh, Terrible. I, I thought Terrible. this team represented our country very well. They deserve a pat on the back. These kids, gave, they played their hearts out. They gave everything they had, and, you know. And as Canadians, we got to understand there's a lot of good hockey being played in the rest of the world right now. We just it's have to look south. Up.
3: It's caught up.
2: You know what? They've caught up. Uh, you know the Finns. I mean they punch above their weight when it comes to when it comes to international hockey. Uh you know, there's only six million, 5, 6 million people live in Finland and you look at the quality of the players that they're producing is unbelievable. And the United States, you know, we always knew with with 350 million people being 10 times the size of Canada that some days some day some day they were going to catch up and Naz I, my gut tells me that that day has arrived. Look,
3: Sweden's caught up too. Like yeah. they're all they've caught up.
2: Yeah, it's, it's simple uh, as
3: that. And not it's, to say Canada's not strong; they are. They're still one of the strongest nations. But people, they, they, these other teams have caught they're, up.
2: They're, they're the other, the rest of the world's putting out some putting a putting out a quality hockey product. And on that note, we'll go to break, and we'll be right back after the break with Carlo Kolejakov.
4: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decreed everyone can now be Italian, at least for an hour. When you order a Pizzaville office lunch, your staff will enjoy authentic Italian pizza and more, from just $7 per person. That's not much to turn William into Gielmo, Tracy into Teresa, and Stan into... Well,
3: maybe he won't be in that day.
1: Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian.
0: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity
1: the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM 740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, and on the internet... Live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Carlo Koliakovo, co-host of First Up on TSN Radio, Monday to Fridays from 6 to 10 a.m. And, of course, a beloved former Toronto Maple Leaf. Good morning, Carlo. How are you this morning?
5: Good morning, guys. Doing great. Uh, you know, nothing better on a Sunday morning than to wake up and chat with you
2: guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate the uh, we appreciate the pat on the back, Carlo. It's a pleasure to chat with you on a Sunday morning as well, uh, Carlo. Wait, just before we went to break, Naz and I were talking about the World Junior Hockey Tournament and in uh, uh, Canada and the rest of the world, and uh, which brought back uh, brought back memories that uh, you played, uh, of course, for. Canada's national junior team back in the early 2000s and uh, you came up against uh, a Russian team uh, as well that was uh, uh, you guys gave it a great shot didn't get the gold but uh, Carlo let's talk let's uh, go down a little bit about memory lane first of all this particular Canadian team from the wrong people got criticized uh, from the right people got got patted on the back Um, tell me from your perspective based on your recollections how much pressure is it on you guys playing at the age of 18 19 playing for your country with with the expectations that Canadians have when it comes to when it comes to hockey tell, tell
5: Yeah well I mean there's obviously pressures in those moments because you're you're playing in a in a, in a short tournament against uh, you know, some, some uh, other powerhouses, but uh, the pressure is always magnified when you're playing at home. And I think now more than ever in the world that we live in, uh, the pressure is magnified even more because of the way uh, the media broadcasts it. um, You know, the, the level of play, how much better other countries have gotten. Um, So that that, all of those added together, uh, definitely, you know, heightens expectations and puts a lot more pressure on players. And, Uh, I know back in my uh, years of 2002 and 2003, uh, the pressure for us was the fact that Canada hadn't won a gold medal in almost five, six years. So uh, my first year in Czech Republic, uh, like you'd mentioned, uh, we went all the way to the finals. Uh, Twice we held a two-goal lead in that game going into the third period, and we ended up falling short against Russia in regulation, losing the gold medal, ultimately winning the silver medal. And then the following year, uh, it was uh, an unbelievable experience, one of the best of my life. Um, playing in Halifax, at home in Canada, you know, having the whole country behind you, supporting you, uh, really making you feel like you're on top of the world. And again, we get to the gold medal game, um, you know, as as the favorite, and we play against another Russian team, and you know, we held a one goal lead going into the third period, and it lost again. So uh, for me, my my resume of, of World Juniors is. You know, winning two silver medals. Um, you know, I trade those two silvers in for a gold any day, of the, any day of the week, any time of the year. Um, but uh, the pressures, you know, they're they're there. Um, and I think, you know, back in the day, um, you know, the way people looked at young players uh, wasn't uh, the extreme that it is now. Um, now, the way we look at young players and we look at teenagers. Uh, These guys are more mature beyond their years more than ever. And, you know, they come in, um, you know, as almost guys that are ready to play in the NHL because they're almost a year away from being in the NHL and the way the league has transitioned to a younger game. Uh, You know, some of these players are impact players right away. And uh, that could even add more added pressure to them. And it's unfortunate to see what happened in Canada this year. Uh, they were, you know, um, a victim of uh, unfortunate bounces, and uh, hopefully this is something they can uh, respond from next year.
3: Carlo, a lot of the teams have caught up. Uh, which team has been the most impressive to you?
5: Well, obviously, if you look at the gold medal game yesterday, uh, you have to be impressed by the way the Finns play. Uh, it's a country that has just under eighty thousand players that play hockey and you look at uh, you know, the, the, the country of Canada where we have over 700,000, um, you've got to be impressed with the way they have uh, come on as a country and develop their players and develop their coaches. And, you know, obviously you look at uh, smaller nations like, uh, you know, Switzerland who, again, uh, put on an outstanding display and people love interviewing their coach because he had a lot of great things to say. Uh, but, you know, you can look at the U.S., uh, you can look at it, Sweden. I mean, the the, the record Sweden um, has right now of consecutive round-robin games won. I mean, I believe it's 48 in a row. That's, that, that's insane to even think about them being that dominant in the round-robin and, you know, failing to be as good as they are in the round-robin in the medal round. So um, you can go on and on down the list. I mean, we've seen Olympic performances from teams like Slovakia and Czech Republic, um, I think, as a whole, if you're a fan of hockey, you've got to be impressed by how, how how much the game has grown internationally, and you know because of that, we're seeing great players, uh, you know, being developed year after year.
2: Uh, Carlo, uh, just an observation: we seem to be, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I want your perspective on this. It, it almost seems, and this is not to be critical of this Canadian team, but assessing where Canada is. In terms of hockey development right now, uh, I appreciate the fact that the world has caught up. There's no question. The last, you know, you, you go back the last three years, and uh, even aside from the World Junior Tournament, who's getting drafted first overall in, in the NHL? I mean, starting with Austin Matthews, and then Rasmus Dalin and now Jack Hughes. And uh, they're projecting that there might not be a Canadian drafted in the top five yeah. this year. Uh, is there anything in there that uh, Canadian, uh, Canadian hockey fans should be concerned about? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, is something going on?
5: Uh, absolutely, I should be concerned about it. And this is, this is a discussion I have a lot uh, with people that I uh, surround myself with because not only um, have I furthered my career in, in, in media uh, at TSN, but uh, I do a lot of training on the side with the company PowerEdge Pro, and I train the likes of, you know, NHL players like, like Connor McDavid and so on. But uh, the discussion is there right, right, you know, every, every time we talk to somebody that's associated in, in the uh, or that's, that's familiar with the associations that, that are run throughout Canada. And it's, it starts at the grassroots. It starts with development. Um, I think what, what we've seen and what we're a victim of in Canada, especially is a lot of the minor hockey associations focus on recruiting instead of development. And where um, a lot of these international countries have spent a lot of time, money, and energy on development, and it all it, it all starts at the grassroots. I mean, I believe in in Europe, you're not allowed to play organized games until you're six years old. And uh, to me, that that's an unbelievable strategy because at that young age, there's no point in playing competitive hockey or or, or competitive games because. You want kids at that age to learn skills? you want them to learn uh, basics, skating, w- playing with the puck? you know And w- in an organized game at that age, think about how many times those young kids touch the puck? Probably probably never, some games. So uh, I, I think they, they work on small areas. Uh, they practice in small areas. They work on you know just puck touches, puck movement, puck play. And I think Canada's starting to catch on. Right now, they're understanding that they're falling behind because, you know, like you said, to have a draft, NHL draft, where you don't have a Canadian in the top five um, or maybe even in the top ten makes you really wonder, a country of 700,000 kids that play hockey, why we can't be ahead of the curve when it comes to development. And it all starts at the grassroots level and even through minor hockey where the focus has to change and has to change and become about development instead of recruiting.
3: Carlo, the Canada's had trouble developing goalies. The, the, the uh, one I remember is Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Since then, not too many. Mike DiPietro looks like he fits the bill. What do you think of him?
5: You know, I, I, I love what I saw from uh, Mike DiPietro. Um, I feel bad for him. Um, I, I think he poured his heart out when he played. Uh, I love his compete level. I love his focus. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it shows with the resume that he's created for himself, even through junior hockey. Um, you know, playing with Windsor, I believe I believe he's won a Memorial Cup. Um, he got traded this year to the Ottawa 67s, who has a chance to, again, uh, they are the top team in the league. They have a chance to compete for a Memorial Cup again. And just being able to, um, you know, backbone, uh, be, or be the backbone of the World Junior Team uh, in Canada, in a place where he got drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, you can see that the city really embraced them. Um, and they really believe, or they really like what they see in him, and believe that he could be uh, an up-and-coming uh, future prospect for the Vancouver Canucks. So um, I-, I think he has what it takes, um, you know. But uh, it's it's the goalies is a tough situation or, or a tough position to play because year after year, um, you know, it, it, it's all about your focus. If your focus isn't as sharp as it needs to be. Uh, you start becoming uh, somebody that you're not comfortable with. And I hope that's not the case with Mikey. I think he's a, he's a great character guy that people love uh, to cheer for, and hopefully that continues throughout his NHL career if he gets there.
3: Speaking of goalies, Mike Hutchinson uh, <laughs> yeah. comes in with his Florida Panther pads and yeah. shuts out the Canucks last night. He looks like a goalie. Sparks doesn't look like a goalie to me. Your comment.
5: Yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't say Sparks doesn't look like a goalie. Sparks sort of gives you um, a
2: busyness to his game. Uh, you know, he's, you're so diplomatic, uh, he's, Carlo. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think Listen, what I think when Naz, I, I think he he missed he missed the qualifier. I think what he intended to say he doesn't look like an. NHL goalie. So I'll let fair you, I'll, fair let fair you finish, <laughs> I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish your comments. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, fair enough. Um, and it's it's you know you, you you could definitely follow with those comments.
2: Um, you know, he's
5: a guy that through the games he's been given uh, like I said, just looks like a guy who's almost like a Dominic Hasic sort of feel where he, he he plays a busy game and sort of makes the easy save look hard. And um, I don't know if that's through lack of games or lack of experience. He's had an, he's had an unbelievable resume at the American League level, which you, know, would un, which you would understand why he's given the chance to be uh, an MA, or proved to be an NHL backup this year. The, the, the organization obviously believes in him. And you, you feel bad from the sense that he really had a chance here to play consecutive games in a row and show everybody who has the same doubts that you have about him about if he can if he can handle the reins of being an NHL goalie because right now there are still question marks. He's he has he's had those inconsistencies that allows you to question whether or not he's capable of being that guy. And you see a guy like Mike Hutchinson come in, who's played over a hundred games in the NHL and granted he's moved around quite a bit this year, but he's a guy who just plays the position soundly. He makes the saves look easy, he controls his rebounds and you know, he he he's Structurally and positionally, I think he's, he's, he's a guy that you can depend on. And the way he played in game one, um, I don't think he played bad. I think he, he did what he had to do given the circumstances. He gave the, chance, the team a chance to win. And you know game two, I thought he was outstanding. Um, you know, and that's, that's what you need out of a goalie. You need a goalie that players can trust, players can feel confident. And a goalie, when you look at him. Uh, doesn't look like a guy who's scrambling to be out of the crease, and that's something that sometimes you see when you when you watch Garrett Sparks play. Uh,
2: we're talking to Carlo Kolyakov. Carlo, well, we're at the midpoint of the season, and uh, you know, Lance Horn being the Toronto Sun yesterday gave gave all the Leafs their uh, midseason report card. Of course, the head of the class is Mitch Marner with an A plus, and we won't mm-hmm. talk about the bottom of the class. Uh, are the Leafs? Uh, uh, where you would thought they would have been at this point in the season and uh, what do they got to do to take it to the finish line the rest of the season in terms well, of? When
5: we look at the Leafs, we're talking about a team that's in second overall in, yep. in the NHL. So um, I, I think I'm going to have to agree and say yes, this is where I thought I, I'd expect them to be. Obviously with the the addition of John Tavares on, John, on July 1st um, exceeded expectations for this team and uh, put them in the conversation of being Stanley Cup contenders. So you expected them to be, if not the best, one of the best teams in the league. And it's it's so crazy to think, as good as the year they're having, they're 10 points back in the division because the team that's better than them is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. And, uh, you know, you look at the division now, they're, Boston's getting healthy, they're getting the lineup back. I believe they're four points back in the division. You know, Buffalo's had an outstanding year. But if you look at that Atlantic division, the Atlantic Division has Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and the New York Islanders all separated by three points, and that's to me that 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 that's incredible, and it it, it goes to show um, how things can change year after year. Uh, but when it comes to the Maple Leafs, uh, if if the All Star team, All Star game, and All Star team was picked correctly, you could easily pick five guys on this team to be All Stars, and it starts with Mitch Marner. Uh, you look at the year Morgan Riley's having. Uh, Freddie Anderson, you 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 definitely see the importance of him on this team when he's in the net and when he's not in the net. Because when he's in the net, everybody believes they've got the they've got the best chance to win. And when he's not in the net, you you know this team can score, but can they keep the puck out? And that's uh, what we've seen when he hasn't played. So um I'm happy with what I've seen so far, um, but I'm still concerned because I look at the, how the playoffs are structured, and um, you know. If you want to advance, you've got to get through your division. and If you've got to play a team like Tampa, right now, I still believe that the Maple Leafs need to improve in certain areas to compete against a team like Tampa in a seven-game series.
3: It looks like uh, if you played the, played the playoffs right now, we'd be meeting the Boston Bruins in the first <laughs> round.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But at least we got the home game. It's, yeah,
3: <laughs> It's interesting, though. Every game is a must in the NHL. 49 points, Montreal. They're out of it right now. Fifty points is into into the playoffs. The least have fifty six. So yeah, you go on a losing streak, you could be in real trouble.
5: Oh, absolutely. And 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 the way the NHL season is structured is, your first twenty to twenty five games, you give you the identity of your team. The next twenty to twenty five games, give you the chance to either separate from the pack, stay with the pack, or get away from the pack. And then the the stretch run is when you're trying to um, you know uh, give yourself a position uh, heading into the playoffs, where you're you're identifying your, your your team, how you look, and who you potentially might face. So, um, you know, the middle of the season is where either teams either take off or they fall out, and uh, we're seeing examples of that now. There's teams that have started off great that are still trying to hang on. And then we're a team that has started off great that, you know, like, like Minnesota, Minnesota, the team that at least played the other night. At one point of the season, uh, we're in the top two or three uh, in the league. And, you know, the month of December, they win, I believe they won two out of 11 games. And, you know, right now they're on the outside looking in. So uh, you can't fall too far behind. Um, obviously, you, you want to avoid – big losing streaks, whether it's two or three games or, or more, and you want to try to accumulate as many points as you can, and I think when you look at this Maple Leafs roster, the way they can score goals, you've got to feel pretty good about their chances. Uh,
2: Carla, we won't keep you much longer, but I do want to take the opportunity of saying you, Naz, and I have uh, something in common, uh, aside from a passion for hockey, but I uh, uh, understand you were a big wrestling fan when you were, uh, when you were younger, <laughs> and... Uh, and we lost, we lost a legend this week uh, in the wrestling world, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly he was, uh, he was, a, he was a legend. He, knew he was a classic. And I understand Hulk Hogan's going to go on Raw tomorrow night to pay yeah. homage. But uh, uh, your love of wrestling, tell us a little bit about it.
5: Well, let me tell you something, Mean <laughs> Gene. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, I grew up watching it, uh, obviously, with, with the likes of Hulk Hogan, Mean uh, Gene Oakland, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior. Um, you know, the way wrestling has even uh, transformed into an entertainment, uh, the way Vince McMahon and the Hulk McMahon Enterprise has uh, transformed it. Um, to me, I still find it a sense of entertainment every once in a while. Uh, I love watching the pay-per-views. I'll tune in every once in a while on a Monday night and a Tuesday night and watch uh, WWE Raw and WWE SmackDown uh, when there's no sports on. But, um, you know, it's it, to, to see a guy like me and Gene pass the, the legend that he's created himself and the mark that he's left on wrestling, uh, you know, it's a sad story. Uh, he's one of the reasons why I, I grew to love uh, wrestling and, uh, still enjoy watching wrestling. Uh, you know, you talk about the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and the Attitude Era. I mean, that, that was the most fun. Uh, I think that's what basically kept, um, wrestling alive is through that era because it, it changed. And, uh, now the, the, with, with the focus on entertainment and sort of developing younger wrestlers year after year, um, you see how big it is worldwide and it's because of the likes of, you know, like you said, me and Gene, that were such great broadcasters and such great, you know, personalities that people paid attention to early on in, in, in the wrestling days. And, uh, God rest his soul. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know they, they celebrate his life
2: uh, because he'll be missed. He absolutely will be. He was a perfect foil for all of these uh, incredible uh, yeah. characters. He certainly yeah. was. Carlo, we've got to let you go. We're just going to remind our listeners you're doing some fantastic work on TSN Radio, Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. on First Up with Mike Landsberg. We highly encourage our listeners to tune in and listen to you. You're a natural for that, uh, for that show, uh, Carlo, and uh, we enjoyed listening to you.
5: Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, and uh, it's a great chat with you guys Sunday morning. Uh, would love to uh, entertain doing this again.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Carla Coriacovo. Right, take care. Have, Have a great now. day. Uh, anyways, Mean Gene Okerlund uh, Naz, do he you was... You know what?
3: You know what? Wrestling match was the best. <laughs> Hulk Hogan was...
2: We get started. We got to get okay. to Matt Ginella, but we uh, get started. Uh, uh, Hulk we'll do the rest Hogan of the was, show on this.
3: Uh, wrestling against Andre the Giant. <laughs> NBC.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember that one.
3: And whoever wrote the script for that one where the twin (laughs) referees come out.
2: (laughs) Don't get me going, (laughs) guys. Talking about legends that we lost this week, you know, we lost Mean Gene. The other guy that was just absolutely hilarious. I just loved him was uh, Super Dave Osborne.
3: Super Dave, yeah.
2: Super Dave, uh Marty Funkhauser on, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He was I I remember I remember Super Dave way back from the Smothers Brothers shows. He was the cop that came in on the motorcycle, and uh he was he was always a real treat. So uh, two legends this week we lost, and not a great start to the year. Uh, Super Dave Osborne and Mean Gene Okerlund. Anyways, uh, we're going to go to break. We're going to change uh, change gears. We're going to get away from the white ice and go to the green grass. We've got Matt Janella from the Golf Channel. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut.
4: Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the gourmet special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just 24 99 He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy.
1: Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian.
0: At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues. Price and cost. Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair
1: Downey. woodbridge
0: this is daryl sittler for alta infinity and Vaughn. i've worked with some pretty great teams over the years and the staff at alta ranks among the very best expert sales superior service and the largest selection of infinity cars and suvs in canada and the most competitive pricing anywhere it's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade visit alta or better yet drop by the number seven auto mall at the corner of martin grove and highway 7 Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
1: The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nas and Wally Sports Hour uh, from the Golf Channel and Golf Advisor, Matt Janella. Matt, good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning, guys.
2: Thanks for having me. It's it's always a pleasure having you, uh, Matt. Uh, we've spent the first uh, thirty five minutes uh, talking about hockey and white ice, so now we're going to change and we're going to talk about some green grass. Uh, <laughs> although there's a lot of green grass up in the Toronto area these days, we haven't had much snow so far. Uh, but there's a lot of a uh, lot of us uh, Canadians in the, in the middle of the winter that uh, looking forward to heading south. Uh, to uh, come on down to play come some on. golf. Uh, so tell us, uh, I know that you've uh, spent quite a bit of time. Uh, you uh, you have the dream job, as 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 uh, we've discussed on the show before. You travel around the world. Uh, 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 advising your viewers on the Golf Channel, putting shows together, letting us all know some of the great golf destinations in the world. In fact, I'm a little upset, Matt. I've sent you a resume to be your assistant about three or four times, and you keep ignoring me. So, uh, it's
4: at the top of the pile. Right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anyways, we'll give you an opportunity. Canadians are dying to come south, Matt. Uh, tell, us, uh, tell us some of the destinations and some of the places they should be looking to playing what uh what uh how you uh, how you do your show on the golf channel
4: Well this month I'm uh, I'm I'm headed to StreamSong right here in, in in Florida and um and boy it's you know it's probably it was 80 degrees yesterday here in Orlando um we're going to dip into the 70s today uh, Oh, that's <laughs> tough that's real tough yeah. yeah No I know this is a you know, it's a great time of year to, to to be down here, obviously, and that that the secret's out. Because everywhere I go, this time of year, seems like anywhere that people are playing golf, I run into a whole slew of Canadians. Um, and, uh, and Orlando is one of those destinations. Stream Song in Lakeland, Florida, uh, now has those th- three yep. courses now. So, Cork Crenshaw, Tom Doak, and Gil Hans. And I think um, that continues to, to sort of... Be uh celebrated as, as one of the as one of the best pure golf destinations uh in the in the south, you know, other than places like Bandon and Dunes and now it, I like places at like Cabot, Sand Valley in Wisconsin, Forest Dunes in Michigan. Uh Streamsong is kind of one of these places where you you, you you know, you get out on one of the first tees of any one of those courses, you can't believe you're in Florida. <laughs> um it, it's a it's a spectacular trip. Uh Scottsdale I'll be I'll be going to uh, for a Golf Advisor getaway. So uh, we did a Golf Advisor round trip, thirty minute travel show uh, last year to Scottsdale, where I spent time with Larry Fitzgerald from the Cardinals and uh, Jeff Ogilvy, U.S. Open winner, and um, Jeremy Roenick, hockey player. You know, all these guys spend a lot of time in, in Scottsdale for you know, especially this time of year for for you know for the weather. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting over there and playing at Troon and Greyhawk and uh, TPC Scottsdale. I always love Wicapaw if I'm in Scottsdale. Talking Stick is a great place to hunker down and, uh, and uh, use as your home base. Uh, they got two 18 holes there, but they also have a top golf right at the end of the driveway. So, you know, between Scottsdale, uh, Arizona and Florida, you can't really go wrong uh, right now
2: yeah uh, certainly you've uh, you've mentioned uh, quite a few places that i've had the privilege uh, privilege of playing and you've got my appetite whetted uh for uh <laughs> for some golf you know the, there's this cultural phenomenon that's uh, uh i guess it's probably been around for a while but uh, certainly you're uh, you talk about it and you write about it it's called the buddy's trip uh, and uh you know Canadians, we like to go down and uh, sure Americans or whatever and any anybody else anywhere in the world we you know you put together 4 8 12 16 guys and and you go golf uh uh is is, is that uh, is that a popular uh is that a popular travel way of doing it Matt Well
4: I I you know I feel like uh 12 years ago when I when I essentially became the travel writer for Golf Digest, we started an article called The Ambush, which was essentially an opportunity for me to go and parachute in, and um, not literally, but kind of uh, uh, parachute in on people who are on their buddies' trips. And what we realized 12 years ago was, wow, you know, I knew I had taken a couple buddies' trips. I knew friends who had taken buddies' trips. Uh, But I I don't think that we realized, you know, almost every avid golfer – if they don't take a buddy's trip, at least one, they wish they they were on one. And um, we kind of started celebrating these alpha planners, these people that we know that kind of take it upon themselves to say, Hey, you know, I haven't seen a group of my buddies from college in 10 years. Let's all get back together and use the game of golf as a vehicle for that kind of camaraderie and connective, you know, connectivity. Um, And, uh, and, and now, you know, I do feel like it's it's one of these things that we realize it's not always about where we are, but it's always about who we're with. And if you get the right collection of people together, whether it be two, four, 40, or, you know, 140, um, it's 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 such a special four days or however many days you can squirrel away and say, you know what, I'm going to leave all of my... Uh, troubles and and anxiety and all my you know, pressures that are going on in my regular life and I could sort of compartmentalize them and kind of and spend this amount of time at these at these amazing destinations it really is a buyer's market out there right now for the avid amateur and there's a lot of places that are really embracing you know when that downturn of the economy hit in 2008 I think a lot of places and destinations realize that corporate golf, uh, trips were kind of going away. Companies couldn't justify that kind of expense. So what they were forced to do was embrace these little mini, uh, you know, outings called buddies trips and realizing, you know what, let's make sure this group of 12 people that are coming through or 16 people coming through come back next year and maybe there'll be 20 people next year or 24 people next year. If we can really wrap our arms around these people and make them feel welcome, whether it be family trips, couples trips, buddies trips, however you want to call them, uh, and they can come in all varieties and shapes and sizes. They need to be acknowledged and celebrated and embraced. And I think that's what's been happening since you know 2008, 2009. And um, and I, I encourage people that are alpha planners to call and say, "Hey, I'm considering coming down there with my group of 12. What what deal can you give me? What can you offer me? How can you sweeten the pot for for us? And if they don't do it, they'll go somewhere else." You know, and it's and it's you got leverage when you got numbers, you got leverage, and um, and all told, it's you know it's it can make a pretty pretty sweet special special trip for that group of people.
3: Matt, Las Vegas has been a um, destination point (laughs) for a lot of Canadians going south. What kind of courses are there out there in Vegas?
4: Um, Well, you know, Vegas. I always say that, and I've been to Vegas many times. I've been to Vegas for golf trips. I've been to Vegas where I thought I was going to play golf and never end up leaving the casinos or the strip, <laughs> for that matter. Um, you know, Vegas is, a, is an interesting one because, in a sense, Vegas really wants you to come out there, but they don't really want you to get away with your group of people from the casinos and spend six or seven hours out on the golf course. Uh, I, I tend to find that Vegas is uh, upcharges the golf in order to try to compensate the fact that you're not you know, you're not game. That is their business. Let's be clear. Um, there's a lot of golf options out there. I find that real golf trips that are going to the Vegas might spend a night in Vegas and then they go up to places like Mesquite uh, to kind of get away from that real intense uh, pressure of the strip to kind of be you know be embedded in, in in the gaming of it all and get away and play some better value up in Mesquite and kind of get you know get that camaraderie we're talking about cuz it's hard to keep a group of of 16 guys together in Vegas because typically <laughs> you know guys have stayed out too late they miss their tea times in the morning they you know the alcohol or whatever else they you know they're putting in their bodies gets the best of them so Vegas if you're going to go on a golf trip to Vegas make sure everybody's on the same page to say hey we're going to play a little golf and a lot of gambling or, you know, no gambling. We're going to play all golf. As long as everybody's on the same page, you can have a successful Vegas buddies trip. And there are good courses. I always say, uh, uh um, drawing a blank right now, but TPC Las Vegas is a, is a good spot. Paiute, uh, uh, Prim Valley, uh, those are my multiple course uh, sort of hubs that really embrace the buddies trips, especially multiple Pete Dye golf courses. They've got a lot of good value out there, uh, and you get away from this trip about 45 minutes.
2: We're talking to Matt Janella from the Golf Channel and Golf Advisor. Matt, uh, a few minutes left. Uh, this used to be the start of the PGA tour. They start in Hawaii this, uh, this week. Uh, I think it's the plantation if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah. it's actually not the start of the PGA, uh, season. The PGA <laughs> season started in October, uh, <laughs> which, uh, i don 't know how that 's worked out uh to me this is still the start of the PGA tour uh, but I'm i 'm an old timer maybe i can't i can 't get my head wrapped around that it started in october um, what do you uh you know we keep talking about the the post tiger era but we 're not it 's still the tiger era uh he really hasn 't competed yet so far but uh, if you were to set up the PGA tour this year and I know one of your personal favorites is Gary woodland uh, if you're to set up the PGA tour this year what should we be looking for
4: well it's it, it I'm kind of with you uh Walter I, I I feel like this is the start of the tour <laughs> the tour season yeah. I, may, I guess if that makes me another old timer well heck you know I'm in um, because because I just love the the sights and the sounds and the visuals that uh, Kapalua's plantation yields, and, and especially in prime time and with this kind of field, a field of champions, it's a great way to kind of really feel like this is the start of the uh, the tour season. Um, I think this has the makings of. of of everything we've always been all wait waiting for, right? The, you got the venues, which is obviously Augusta national. You got Beth page black hosting the PGA. You have pebble beach hosting the us hmm. open. And you got Royal port rush, the open championship going back to Ireland. And, um, if you watch the show or follow me at all, you know what I think of, of golf yep. in Ireland. It's, uh, it's, it's just one of the most amazing destinations, especially up in Northern Ireland, uh, which is where they'll be. So, and then you got Tiger winning at East Lake uh, to sort of finish off that amazing amazing uh, year of, of development and you got guys like Rory and Jordan trying to complete the career grand slam um, you still have the guys like Phil Mickelson lingering you have the you have the guys like Adam Scott and Justin Rose you have guys like Xander Shoffley and Tony Finau uh emerging you got long ball hitters and you got Kepka and DJ um you got guys like Cam Champ coming up out of the Web.com tour who, 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 who make DJ look short. <laughs> you know, can you imagine? I mean, so you have, you have kind of this intersection of all that we've been talking about from the Young Guns. And I haven't said Justin Thomas. and You got the villain like Patrick Reed. Um, it, you know, and, and again, going back to those venues, what, what more could we ask for?
2: Uh, you got me all hyped up and all excited uh, based on that uh, recap, <laughs> Matt. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Uh, when uh, when can we expect uh, to see Tiger on the course? Is, is it Torrey Pines? Is he is that going to be the first one for him this year? I don't know. There was there
4: was there was rumblings that he was actually going to play at Kapalua, and then uh, it, 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 it it never came uh, to reality. But I, I think I think that that's. Um, that's a that's a good guess. It's as good a guess as any. Um, at Tory Pines, I think you know he is going to be playing a more limited schedule than he did last year, uh, and you know uh, to make sure that he doesn't you know get tired. But I think he needed those reps. He needed that that time uh, in the uh, in the heat of the battle uh, out on the golf course inside the ropes. And I think he proved it. Most importantly, he proved to himself that he could win again. Uh, I for one, assuming he always stayed healthy, never thought that that was ever a question. um You got guys like Patty Harrington who you know sort of went away and had all this baggage and then came back and won uh, at an older age. Ernie Els won at an older age, Darren Clark out of nowhere, you know jumped up and won a major championship in his forties uh david um uh, davis love won um when he was in his 50s um tom watson almost won a major championship when he was 59 why wouldn't tiger woods uh be able to win again and um so i think this is uh i think this is i think this is exciting and uh and again those venues that tiger has with the pebble at Augusta and Beth Page places all places he's won before. I wouldn't be surprised if Tiger won, won another major.
2: Very quickly uh Matt before we let you go is this Rory's year?
4: It's sure looking like it. You know, he's about to turn thirty. He's made some scheduling adjustments. He's committed to playing the PGA Tour full time. He's his his own words said, "I'm going to be selfish." He uh, he let go of hosting the Irish Open. He feels like he had he was trying to appease too many people uh, and too many things and too many commitments. And I think uh, a committed and focused and clear headed Rory McElroy, as we've seen in the past. Um, you know, if if he can if he can kind of hone in on on those the, the the putting woes outside of eight feet, which he was talking about earlier this week on, on morning drive. Well, then you know he's he's when at his best, he seems uh, virtually unbeatable, and that's uh, that's you know so a committed and selfish Rory McIlroy could be very good for Rory McIlroy.
2: We've been talking to Matt Janella from the Golf Channel and Golf Advisor. Matt, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, especially early in the year. And uh, my thoughts are, after speaking with speaking with you for a few uh, few moments, uh, I'm looking south. Thanks so much.
4: Hey, come on down. Come on down. <laughs> Orlando, it's a beautiful day. Let's go play the WP9 the Winter Park
2: Nine, little part thirty-five. We we got to do uh, a uh, host, Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, host a skins
4: game here every Friday, and we've had some people from all over. All over the world I'm coming and getting a part of this. So uh, come on down. I, be, I, I know your money's good.
2: <laughs> Will you take Canadian?
4: <laughs> yeah, anytime. Anytime. It's
2: so a significant <laughs> discount. Matt, anyways, we should do a home and home. We, we'll do a little, come visit you in Orlando, come visit us in Toronto. That, uh, and, we'd love to have you. Listen, yeah. you have no idea how much we appreciate this. Uh, thanks so much and uh, all the best, my friend. We'll be in touch. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thanks so much. Matt Janella from the Golf Channel. Naz, we've got a minute and a half left. Uh, so it know. looks like you have an invitation to play. <laughs> down the I'll, I'll, see, uh, I'll see if I can take him up on that invitation as soon as possible. Anyways, uh, Naz, we've got uh, a minute and a bit left. Uh, what do you want to chat about?
3: Dave and Earl Hebner were the 10th.
2: <laughs> we're going the back to wrestling. The uh, yeah, certainly. Did you, uh,
3: did you know Mean Gene? Had a son. son play? yeah, played in the played NHL. NHL. Four right. games with the New York Todd Okerlund. Was
2: That's it the right. New York Islanders? New York Islanders. Yeah, son was a good player. Um, yeah, you know, Mean Gene, uh, Super Dave, uh, even the captain of Captain and Tennille passed yeah. away this week. Not a, not a great start to the year, but, you know, um, it is what it is. Uh you know, the Raptors. Let's talk Raptors for the last minute, because they uh, that was a big, big win for them last night. They Huge. got blown out by the Spurs. You know, uh, DeRozan got—you uh, know, DeMar got a little—exacted a little measure of revenge for— uh, uh, against the uh, against the Raptors scored his first triple double in his career, so uh you know he was he was feeling pretty good after that Spurs game hope the Raptors get even with the with the Spurs when they come to Toronto. but uh big game against the bucks last night uh nas twenty they're, seconds
3: yeah they 're missing their two of their better players in Valanciunas and uh Lowry right and they 're still competing at a high level so i, I as long as those guys come back they 'll be there. For sure.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, Big, big wink for the Raptors last night. If they get healthy, uh, I still think they're going to the NBA Finals. Anyway, it's been another great week for the Nazemulwe Sports Hour. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic week.